So as I was saying, vintage is all the rage these days, right? There's tons of businesses and TV shows and all kinds of things dedicated to refurbished goods. Uh, HGT, as I just said, that Deb did not hear. Uh, HGTV has an entire, hey, that's what you get for picking on me and sorry last night. HGTV has an entire lineup of TV shows that are dedicated to renovating houses and making them look new and fresh and fun. And anytime you do that to any type of good, right, you can take something that to some people or even you has no value whatsoever, spruce it up a little bit, make it vintage, and all of a sudden sell it for a whole lot more money than it's actually worth just by putting the word vintage on it. Um, as Christians, it'd be really easy to see ourselves as refurbished right, or renovated when we experience grace. Dressed up, shined, and shiplapped into a new creation, uh, somehow worth more than what we were before. The thing is that God does not see us this way. Our worth to him never changes, and we aren't improved or refurbished or renovated. Grace says that we are a brand new creation in Christ. Galatians 6, 11 through 18 says, See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters, amen. Now here's the thing that we have to understand as Christians, is that grace is a matter of the heart. Grace is concerned with our heart. When God bestows grace upon us, it's about what he does on the inside of us that makes all the difference. Paul does something really cool here that he doesn't do, as far as I know, anywhere else in Scripture. He writes this passage himself. Now, listen to what I mean by that, because are all of Paul's books his words? Yes, but typically he uses a scribe. They'll say, historians will tell you that Paul didn't have very good eyesight. He was older. Uh, he had some different struggles, and so he couldn't write himself and if he did, it would take him a lot longer to uh, write the letters. So he used the scribe to do that job for him. But he opens up this passage by, see what large letters I write to you in my own hand. Now there's two ideas here, two schools of thought. The first says, Paul, not being able to see very well, had to write really big. And, and that was the proof to the people who were receiving the letter that it was actually him that was writing it. The second school of thought will tell you, well, that's not really it. Paul chose to write in such big letters to emphasize his point. I will tell you that it doesn't matter what school of thought you fall into because what's important here is that this was important enough for Paul to write it himself. He wanted to make sure that there was no doubt whatsoever that he was putting his name and his stamp on the words that were about to follow. This is a defining passage on grace. It's a defining passage on grace, and it's really easy to read this passage and overlook it and think, oh, here's another one of those weird passages talking about circumcision. Because I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but like you can go to Bible Gateway and do a word study and find that there's a ton of passages with the word circumcision in it. 
But Paul's trying to get to a very specific point here. See, in Hebrews 13, 9, it says, Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. And a problem with the early church, a problem with the early church is that they would pick something, and, and for whatever reason, okay, for whatever reason, I say the early church, but I should say early Judaism, okay, early Judaism, for whatever reason, they would pick something and that would be their marker for like Judaic success. You were a good Jew if you did this thing. And for them, it was circumcision. They wanted this outward sign of look how different I am now. I've been circumcised. I belong. I'm Jewish. And yet I don't follow any of the other teachings in the law, right? I have this one thing done. And so now the rest of it doesn't really matter. And so they focused heavily on tasks, the different things that they could do, right, to show and cement their status with God. I'm godly because I did this thing. I'm godly because I did this thing. It was their measuring stick. And this is what I'll tell you. Don't let your measuring stick get in the way of grace. Hear me on that. Don't let your measuring stick get in the way of grace. Like I just told you, Judaism, they chose circumcision as their measuring stick. And they looked at it like this. If you weren't circumcised, then there's no way that you could be godly. And if you were circumcised, then you're godly and the rest of it doesn't really matter because, hey, now you're circumcised. And the fact of the matter is that we do stuff like this too. And early Christians, they're being persecuted by the outside world, right? And so they wanted to, hey, I'm just going to get these guys off my back. So I'm going to fit this measuring stick. And they, they were circumcised. And it was meaningless to them. And it was empty to them. And it had nothing to do with them following the law. They just didn't want to be persecuted anymore. If I just do this, people will get off my back. I'll measure up and, and they'll think I match up everywhere. And we do this too. We do this too. If you think about it, you'll, you, you'll find that you have some sort of measuring stick that to you matches up what success is as a Christian. Maybe it's church attendance. Maybe it's how often you read your Bible. Maybe it's your prayer life. Maybe it's being involved in mission work. Maybe it's being on the worship team or serving in some other capacity around here that you just say, hey, as long as I'm doing this thing, then I'm earning my way to being a good Christian, right? Or I'm, I'm, I'm somehow justifying the grace that has been given to me by God because I'm, I measure up. I, I, I'm able to complete this task. I'm able to do this thing. Sometimes we look at it really screwed up as, hey, I have to do these things so that I'll be worthy of the grace that God has shown to me. But that's never how God thinks about things. It's not about whether or not you have been deemed worthy or you deserve the grace that he shows to you. God loves you so much that he says within you there's inherent worth, right? There's inherent worth that, that belongs to you because you're my creation. And because I love you, I'm going to bestow this grace upon you. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. And we cheapen grace so much by acting like there's something that we have to do to, to, to somehow hold on to it or to be given more of it or to make ourselves feel better about being undeserving of it. What separates us apart is the cross. See, Paul talks about that. May I boast in nothing 
but the cross of Jesus. You see, it's not anything I've done. It's not that I can step out and be circumcised and have this new sign that I'm somehow this new creation and I'm pointing in a new direction. It's that Christ died on the cross for me and that, that's the only thing that I can boast in because it's been completely won by Christ. This task has been accomplished by Christ. Me being made new only happens through what Christ has done on the cross. We have to make sure that we walk that fine line where the things that we're doing that are good for us don't become in our mind things that somehow save us. Does that make sense? Is it good to read your Bible? Of course it is. Of course it is. Is it good to have a strong prayer life? Prayer life? Yes. Should you work in the mission field in whatever way that you can find? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just that we can't allow those things to not give us life. See, the law was provided by God to give Jews life so that they wouldn't be trapped and bogged down by their sin. Don't do these things and you will find life. And anytime we allow ourselves to be ensnared by the different tasks that we feel like we have to complete, when they become, when they become mandatory and not an act of our heart, a reflection of the love that we have for God because of what he's done for us, we're doing it all wrong. And we're saying, grace isn't what does this for me. Grace doesn't make me new. It's not what Christ did on the cross that's brought me forgiveness. It's me completing task A and task B and task C. And so we can't allow ourselves to fall into that line of thinking either. We are what we are because of who Jesus is and what he has done. We are who we are because of who Jesus is and what he has done. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that one can boast. As Paul states, may grace that we've been shown only allow us to boast in the cross. Wouldn't it be fantastic? Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be life-changing if when people asked you, how did you do that? How did you get through this? How did you handle that situation? If we just pointed it back to the grace of God, if we just said, you, you know, frankly, honestly, it, it is by God's grace that I made it through that situation. I can think of time after time after time after time in my life where if I look back and I think about it, the only way I got through those things was through the grace of God. It's not by anything I did. It's not by something I accomplished. Okay, I wasn't able to do it myself. It was the gift that God gave to me that carried me through. And too often, I look at those situations in my past, those things that I've done that weren't great, that required grace to overcome, 
Too often I allow those things to be what defines me. To be what, to be what I allow myself to think that I am. People ask me about my life. My first inclination is to go to all the wrong I've done and how bad I feel about it. I'm not saying that that's not good to understand that and to recognize that there was wrong in the past, but at a certain point, grace says you have to let it go. Because Christ's grace makes us a new creation. Guys, this is what we have to understand about grace. This is why grace is so amazing. This is why grace is so fundamental to our faith and yet so vast and deep that we spent seven weeks on it. Grace makes us a brand new creation. It'd be really easy as Christians to, to look back on what we've done, the things that have made us who we are today, the situations that have kind of molded the way that we act on a daily basis and say, that defines me. See, our measuring stick, whatever it is that we've decided that we have to do in order to earn grace, in order to measure up, in order to somehow have earned grace that God gives to us, it's irrelevant. It is dust in the wind. Dust in the wind. I'm sorry. It, it, I mean, it, it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's our attempt at refurbishing ourselves right? At renovating and repackaging something old as something new. Look at what I've done. Look at how I've changed. On the outside, I've got everything together, and on the inside, it's still turmoil. That's not how Christ works. Grace isn't about the outward change. Does an outward change come if there's an inward change? Of course. But see, early Judaism, or late Judaism, early church, they... they they focus so heavily on just accomplishing that task, on doing that thing, whatever it may be, that says, hey, somehow I've, I've earned this. I, I, I've done this. And, and it's just not what it's supposed to be about. The outlook that says, hey, if I can just do these things I have value as a believer is straight from Satan. Satan. The outlook that says, if I can just accomplish these tasks, if I can read my Bible every day and I can pray regularly and I can attend church every single Sunday and I can be in small group every time that, that, that's available to me, if I, if I can just do those things, then, then I'll measure up. Then, then I'll somehow earn it. Then I'll somehow be this new creation. And that's just not how it works. Would I deem that if you somehow are a new creation, those things naturally are an inclination that you lean towards and want to do? Yes. Okay, you, you have to understand, I'm not saying that those things are not important. I do think that you should be in church every opportunity that you have because it allows us as believers to come together and strengthen one another and, and show grace to one another and move past the different things in life that we have together. We just have to understand that it's nothing that we've done that makes us new. Christ makes us new and we are brand new. We are brand new. You are not refurbished. You are not renovated. You are not damaged goods that God has somehow come up and, and, and made acceptable to sell. He literally takes what you were and says, I can work with that. Uses his grace to reform, remold, and puts out a brand new shiny thing. 
And he loves you so much that he doesn't allow us to stay what we once were. I know oftentimes in my life I felt like I'm just playing a game, right? Like it's all a charade. Like I'm, I'm, I still feel like what I was before Christ came into my life and I hold on to that and just let it completely control me and feel like I am so damaged and I am so broken and there's nothing that is ever going to make me worthy enough to have actually been shown the grace and have the blessing that's been bestowed on me enough. Does that make sense? I feel like I just got really wordy there. I just know that personally I could never earn it. I could never earn it and I try to. That was the much simpler way of putting it. I try to earn it. I can't, but I'm not supposed to either. That's what grace is. When you accept God's gift of grace through Jesus, you aren't repurposed, you aren't repackaged, you aren't damaged goods, you are made new from within. It's a heart change. It's a heart change. It's in the core. And everything else in life stems out of that. Titus 2, 11 and 12 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to a life self-controlled. Upright and godly lives in this present age. I'm going to read that again. For the grace of God has appeared to us that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to life self-controlled, upright, and godly in this present age. It's supposed to say, and yes, to life self-controlled, upright, godly, lives in the present age. Second Peter 3.18, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. First, 1 Corinthians 15.10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. See, grace changes us from the inside out progressively and it makes us new by what God has done. And we have to strive daily to accept that. You have to accept grace. That is actually a choice. But in accepting grace, you're signing the contract that says, I'm gonna let go of my past. I'm gonna let go of my failure." I'll apologize for it. I'll repent of it. But when I do that and I've been shown grace and I've been forgiven, I'm going to move forward as a brand new creation. He makes all things new. He makes all things new. You personally, damaged relationships, broken churches, broken homes. Grace can make everything new. Your perspective on life, how you feel about a certain individual, he makes all things new. Not repurposed, 
doesn't just slap a coat of paint on and say, that'll do. From the inside out, he's fixing it all. But you have to make that choice to accept grace in order for that to happen. And then you have to make that choice to show grace in order for that to happen. My challenge to you is this. Be new in Christ. Be new in Christ. He's forgiven you. If you haven't forgiven yourselves, if you haven't forgiven others, that's not of God. That's the choice that you've made. Be new in Christ. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now today and just ask, Lord, that your message, your word be heard. And that, and that through the confusion that may have been this morning and through what I feel like wasn't a great job done by me, God, that people will see your truth and that they'll see in your word the fact that we are made brand new creations in Christ. Too often we hold on to the dings and the dents and the scratches that have been put on us as we have gone down life's highway. And we focus so heavily on those things that we allow that to consume us and allow us to listen to the devil when he tells us that we won't be good enough and that we're not good enough and that we're undeserving. And the truth of the matter is that maybe he's right by that. Maybe he, he is right. Maybe we aren't good enough. Maybe that we are undeserving. I don't necessarily disagree with those things, but what the devil will tell us is that because that's the case, you don't want us, but you tell us something completely opposite. That regardless of what we are, you're all about what we can become. Life is filled with ups and downs and twists and turns and confusion and heartache and it's tough. But you have given us grace not only to bring about new creation in us, but you have gifted us the ability to use grace to bring about new life in the other places in our life where death is currently present. God, I pray that we take these last seven weeks on grace to heart, that we take what's in your word and in scripture and apply it to our lives and not just think on it and pray on it, but allow it to affect change. Convict us to be people who are forgiving and willing to move beyond hurt, whether justified or unjustified. Help us to be people who forgive like you forgive and who understand that you will forgive according to our forgiveness. Lord, let us use the same judgment that we would want shown to us. 
Help us to be a church of grace. We ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.